Hey, I'm Nikki. And I'm Emily. And welcome to That Six Letter Word, a podcast about being 20-something and living with that six-letter word that no one wants to hear, cancer. We are two friends that have lived and are living with this diagnosis, and we have some similarities and many differences. We dive into our experiences as young women, patients, friends, and survivors. Our hope is that this podcast resonates with any person going through any challenge, not just cancer. And we're here to remind you that we're all just people taking life one step at a time and spreading joy as often as we can. Hey, Emily. Hey, Nikki. Welcome back to another episode of That Six Letter Word. We're glad you tuned in and are continuing to listen to us just talk and word vomit into some microphones. Heck yeah. Process our shit, man. That's what we're oh, here yeah. for. Oh yeah. How are you doing, Nikki? You know, I am doing well. I had a weird experience this week that I thought was appropriate to share <laughs> in this particular forum. <laughs> I am so excited to hear this. So one of my mom's friends took it upon herself to buy us a lot of really interesting health-related gifts through my treatment, which was really nice. She sent us some cool stuff. One of the things she sent us was this multivitamin that's like liquid, and it's labeled as like whole food multivitamin supplement something. It's like a green juice that comes in a bottle, and it's called like liquid gold or something that's supposed to save your life, allegedly. So she sends us this stuff. And comments about how like liquid vitamins are the way and she loves this stuff. And we're like, great. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. And like I tasted it when it first came and it's very like sweet. It tastes kind of tropical. And so in the winter, I would sometimes mix it with club soda and like drink that as a mocktail because I couldn't drink all winter, which was a vibe. That's clever. It works. Very you know? in- ingenious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Innovative. Yeah. I'm just finding ways to pretend that I'm actually drinking. You know what I mean? not a problem at all. <laughs> so I had this stuff. And so then recently my mom brought it over and was like, Hey, this has been in my fridge for a while. Can you please take this? Cause I don't want this weird green juice in my fridge. And I was like, yeah. And I ran out of my gummy vitamins. So I started taking this shot and I'm just, or this, this stuff, I'm ripping it as a shot every morning. Okay. So I'm not eating a tablespoon like you're supposed to, like it's some sort of cough syrup. I'm just ripping shots at 10 AM <laughs> on this liquid vitamin. And again, it tastes really sweet. So it like goes down pretty easy. And like, I've been doing it for like five days now. And I'm not joking the first day within three hours, I go to pee and my pee smells like tropical fruit. Okay. It smells like the fruit that this stuff is flavored off or uh, flavored like, and it is neon yellow, neon I can't Wait, explain that's it. That's so weird. So I was talking to my what? friend and she said that vitamin B12 makes your pee neon yellow. I would love for someone to confirm this for me. Could I ask Google? Yes, I could. I haven't done it yet. But but that's why we have listeners. That's why we have listeners. <laughs> I need to have some doctors with. So that has been my week. I'm just taking, I'm ripping shots at 10 a.m. every day of this weird green juice. So far, nothing crazy has happened other than my pee is... It, it smells like tropical fruit. It's totally bonkers. Uh, that's the update. Yeah. Does it, so, okay, this is like kind of a little bit too much, t- like a TMI moment of me, but I really like the smell of my pee after I eat asparagus. You like the asparagus? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's like my worst 
I hate that. It, I mean, oh, it happens yeah, every no. time. No one can avoid this. We're only human. But... Oh, yeah. No, it used to be a joke <laughs> between, like, my old roommate and I of, like, oh, just eat asparagus. Like, we'll see what's cooking in the bathroom. That's <laughs> disgusting how I just phrased that. But Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so, so I wonder funny. if it's, like, do you like the smell? I don't know. That's a I weird mean, it's, question. I mean, it's better than, like, the dehydrated nasty smell, I would argue. You know? Yeah. Smells I mean, like fruit, kinda. Kinda. It smells like <laughs> pea flavored with fruit, you know. Um, I mean. So I mean, no. Would I put it in perfume? Something. No, I wouldn't. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not tragic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's what I've been living. Um, you know, it's a journey. Man, I have nothing that exciting going on in my life at all. I mean. Who knows? Maybe I'll dose myself up on some asparagus tonight and go to town. <laughs> really live large. <laughs> but, uh, well, with that, we should probably start the episode. Maybe <laughs> we should get going. This is it. <laughs> but today's episode, we kind of want to touch on the topic of all of the physical attributes that our body went through while we were enduring our different treatments, whether that was chemo on Nikki's side or surgery and post-surgery on my end, but we just thought we'd kind of talk through at least the physical components that we went through. So is that, yeah. is that a decent explanation? That was perfect. And yeah, today? I think it's, it's like, I think the reason that we want to talk about this is because when you hear cancer patient, you immediately picture like an old, frail, bald person in a hospital gown, which some days, and for some people that's very true, but for us, you know, some parts of that story um, were true at different times, but there's also a lot of other just weird physical stuff that happens and you learn to kind of, you get to know your body in a different way because there's all kinds of crazy shit going on inside of it. So we thought it was just important to talk about what the physical experience was actually like, because like I said, I, I think that everyone's so vastly different and our experiences are different, but there's also, you know, some kind of similar points and it's something that no one really hears about, especially when you're a young person, right? You just, the young person who's going through cancer treatment or surgery or whatever, they kind of disappear from your social feed and then they show back up six months later and you're not really sure what they went through. So we just wanted to uh, debunk that a little bit. Yeah, and talk about our different experiences with it. So on that, let's talk about the good old roids, the good old steroids. We love a steroid. Love a steroid. I uh, think the last steroid I got before my surgery was a mono for mono. Uh, shout out U of M. Because uh, <laughs> I think I got it from passing in alcoholic beverage around the freaking uh around the cigarette basement yeah no not the cigarette drop them sorry <laughs> no um what was the frat that went off campus our freshman year oh that we were all gosh. groupies of what oh, was it um man they changed sig pie, sig pie. Sig pie. oh god <laughs> shout out to u of m sig pie circa 2014 <laughs> oh man okay but anyway oh i got motto okay, from that party Roy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got I a steroid no. shot in my butt. So, here we oh, are. God. Yeah, steroids are crazy. I had to take steroids. It was like the first four days of my treatment always. 
And I had to take them twice a day and they had to be really specifically timed. And so I would have to wake up at like five in the morning to take my steroids and then take them at, you know, 3 p.m. or whatever it was. And I, I didn't get specific roid rage, but I think I was just like very agitated for the whole six months that I was in treatment. So really who's to say that it was steroids or not, but I did get the bloating and I got like moon face and there was one hospital stay where they dosed my steroids a little too high. Someone like basically made a typo, which I probably shouldn't advertise, but shit happens. It wasn't dangerous, but I started to blow up like a balloon. And by like day three, I was like, my legs are swollen. My arms are swollen. Like I felt like a balloon animal. Like I just felt disgusting. And then they checked and they're like, oh yeah, you've been taking too many steroids. And so it's interesting because that was like the really big indicator, but I didn't really get the acne. I wasn't super tired. And I know that that's different Mm -hmm. from your experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was put on an incredibly high dose of steroids as soon as I got out of the hospital. Um, That I can't remember the exact milligrams or whatever, but I was on them for, I think about four weeks. It started off with like three times a day. And then I experienced, I mean, I experienced the entire gambit of steroids. I remember our, like the nurse came in and was like telling myself and my parents as I was getting discharged from the hospital, like all the exact protocols, like we had to write down the time, like that we took it, the exact milligram percentage, all of that. And she was like, so Emily will be starting to experience some side effects from the steroids. Um, I just want you to know now that if she gets incredibly angry or has a lot of rage, it's not Emily talking, it's the steroids. And in my head, I was like, I don't care. Well, granted, my head was entirely blank at this point because like nothing was like, no thoughts were going through it. Post-op, right? Yeah, so I was six days. So you weren't even like thinking like, yeah, I'm already mad and here we are. You're just kind of. No, I was very, like after surgery, my mind, it was just blank. Like people are like, oh, like what went through your head as like right after it? Were you frustrated with your speech? All that, we'll get into speech, whatever. But I was like, no, I was kind of just like, my mind was blank, but. Just chilling. Just chilling. Take it all in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we went on to, I went on to experience incredible roid rage like roid rage is real. Uh, I remember I was, had Google maps up or I think it was Waze, the map app. And I was directing my mom to my, one of my speech therapy appointments because I couldn't drive at this point. And I was like, I told her a direction and she didn't hear me. I must've like mumbled it or whatever. And I just screamed the direction at her. Like, full force screamed and I don't like in our family we don't scream at each other like that is not how we go about communicating whatsoever and my mom I think it took every ounce in her to not be like to slap me or something because I mean if I had done that like if I had gotten screamed at I would have just like immediately instinct slapped yeah backhand yeah that probably says more about me but whatever (laughs) but um so I went on to experience incredible roid rage um, extreme facial bloating. Like I looked like I had a moon face, very, uh, hindering to my self-confidence. Yeah. Um, That's a hard one. Incredible acne. Like I had, and it wasn't on my face per se, but it was on my jawline and on my neck and then all across my chest. 
to the point where wearing a shirt or a bra hurt. Like it, it just oh. was so painful and so itchy and it literally looked like I had gotten hives, but like all pimples. Oh my gosh. And Did I had trouble for a long time. Was that like the entirety of the three, four weeks you were on them? Oh yeah. Yeah. And well oh. after, like, I think, wow. so I got discharged from the hospital like October 20th, 24th, whatever around that time period. And I had acne at least till December. Wow. So, um, so I had that, I had incredible trouble sleeping, but I was always so tired. Um, like I was averaging about two to three hours per sleep a night. Um, and I would, like I said, I was just so tired during the day that I'd like try and nap. I couldn't, um, I extreme hunger. Like if I didn't eat, cause with the steroids you had to eat with, um, you had to eat with them. Yeah. And so if I didn't eat like by a certain time, like I remember it was granted I'd been up since 4am, but it hit seven o'clock and I was ravenous and I'd been ravenous since that wake up, but I had to like force myself. I was like, I can't go eat cause I'm going to gain all this weight. If I just eat with this steroid hunger and it'd get to the point where it was like combine hunger, extreme roid rage. You had like extreme hanger. Like it was, yeah, it was it to the is, point where yeah. I remember my sister brought us lunch, my mom and I, and we just like, before they even sat down, I was through it. I was just so hungry. And then I think that was it. And then like it tapered off over the, like the next four weeks, but some of those some of those lasted for a little bit, but. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a thing too. And, and maybe this is a segue, but most of these meds, like it's not just side effects when you're taking them. They also take time afterward. And actually this is a good, this is a good segue. I was talking to my doctor. And of course, as soon as I was told that I would be on chemo, I asked about my hair and she said, you know, yes, you're going to lose it. She said, basically there's like a 99% chance. And I said, okay, so if my treatment starts Monday, like, does my hair fall out Tuesday? Like, how does this work? And she said, no, it's actually, like, if Monday is your first day of your, your cycle, your chemo cycle, she said, you'll lose your hair on, like, day 28 or day, no, I'm sorry, day 21 through 28. So the whole, like, third week, fourth mm-hmm. week after treatment is when it starts to fall out. And I was like, okay, you know, and I'm like, all right, crazy lady, like, I'm sure, you know. And, and so I went and I shaved my head cause I had this long hair and I told myself I didn't want to watch it fall out in chunks. And so I went to my hairdresser who I know pretty well at this point, I've been going to her for years and she helped put my hair into all these little teeny tiny ponytails. Like we're talking, you know, those little clear elastics that we used to use when we were little, mm-hmm. we're talking probably 30 or 40 of those, like all over my head, every square inch, there's probably one of them. So I look ridiculous, obviously. And then she started cutting them out one by one and she let me cut some of them. So I was just holding scissors up, chopping off big chunks of my hair. Oh. Which was kind of a cool experience. It's kind of like, fun, but all things considered, I'm glad she let me do it. Yeah. Like right. whatever. And people were walking by in the salon being like, Are you donating all your hair? Like, what is going on here? And I was like, Yeah, I'm starting chemo Monday. So like it's all coming off. And they were like, oh okay like people didn't know not the answer they were expecting probably. yeah I think they thought that I was like having a Britney moment and wanted to donate my hair because I was putting it in the bag too so it, you could kind of tell that's where I was headed but so I 
cut all these little ponytails off, had this like absurd jagged thing, and then she shaved it down so it looked like a nice buzz cut. And that was an experience. But then it started to grow a little bit. And so that was on a Saturday. I started chemo Monday. And then it continued to grow for basically those two weeks after chemo. And literally on day 21, like I swear within 12 hours of that day, started falling out, like immediate. I like woke up in the morning, looked at my pillowcase, saw the hair. I would get in the shower and I could kind of pull pieces out. Like it got to the point where you can pull it out, but it doesn't hurt. It just Mm -hmm. feels like, like, you know, when you put um, like little dots of Elmer's glue on your finger Mm -hmm. and so you can feel it coming off, but there's no pain and it doesn't even really pull. It's just like, it comes kind of right off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like where like you knew it was leaving, but you didn't, it wasn't painful in any way. It didn't feel like it was pulling. Yeah. Did like, was it only your head hair that fell out or was like all body hair? So this is wild. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so it, my head hair, yes, was the primary one. And like I said, I had shaved it down to a buzz and then it had grown a little bit. So it was still pretty short. It was like a half inch maybe that I was kind of pulling out. And I noticed that I could pull it out in chunks. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And like I mentioned, I was doing fun things and I was on a vacation before all this happened. And so now this is like week five, week six, since I first went to the hospital. So I need to make it clear that I was not shaving my body hair for these five weeks because I was otherwise occupied. So at this point, I had like a significant amount of like pubes and leg hair that had grown in these five weeks. (laughs) Can't believe I'm saying this. And I was able to literally just pull it all out. Like I got in the shower as all my head hair was falling out. And I realized that it was kind of getting to that time where like everything would just fall out if you touched it. I plucked out every pube on my body. It was insanity. It was the craziest experience that I've ever had. It's kind of disgusting. It was wild. And then my leg hair kind of just never grew back. Same, everything else in my body really never grew back. Like that one time I pulled it all out in the shower and then it just never grew back. And so I didn't shave my armpits, my legs, my pubes, anything for like six months, just didn't grow back. Mm -hmm. Didn't have to worry about it. My head hair obviously didn't grow back and it was crazy. So yeah, it kind of was everything, which is so wild. And I mean, the whole idea and the way that it's explained to me is that it's all the fast growing, fast, like quickly regenerating cells that chemo kills, right? Because cancer cells are the ones that are quickly regenerating. That's what they have to kill off. And your hair follicles are those. So my arm hairs perfectly stayed put. None of them really fell out. They didn't thin out because your arm hairs aren't the ones that grow really fast. They're the really slow growing ones. They're like a different type of hair follicle. My eyebrows fell out at the very, very end, which is weird. They literally fell out like month five, not in the beginning. Same with my eyelashes. They were doing pretty well and they fell out at the end. But yeah, my head hair, pubes, leg hair, just plucked it all out myself. Never grew I felt back. like that must have been like oddly satisfying. It was the most satisfying <laughs> thing in the world. I can't even describe it to you. <laughs> and to be clear, everything has started to grow back now. Yeah, everything has grown back. My head hair is chaotic. Yeah, now I have to shave again, which is like kind of a hassle. I spent all winter just not having to worry about it. And now I'm like, oh shit, I forgot that this is like kind of a lot of work. But, you know, the sacrifices we make. <laughs> yeah, well, so, uh yeah, go ahead. That was my hair experience. <laughs> <laughs> my hair, I mean, I've touched on it before, but I didn't have to 
I didn't lose all of my hair. I didn't have it all shaved off or anything, but what I did have happen is I had an incision, which they had to shave um, my hair for. It went straight down the middle of my head. So I was rocking like an incredibly wide middle part. So like probably like an inch, inch thick. You had like an inverse mohawk. Yeah, it was not a great look. So I was like down the middle of my head and then it curved behind my left ear. Um, like I said, about an inch wide all the way across. So I had a very weird hair pattern and I had about 70 surgical staples all over that area, all along that line. And I couldn't get my hair wet for like two weeks after, like I couldn't get like that incision wet or anything until I got my surgical staples out. So I was an utter greaseball and my doctor even made a comment. So when I went out back to like get my surgical staples out, like the two week post-op appointment, he like looked at my incision and whatever. And he goes, Oh man, looks like somebody needs to wash their hair. And he thought it was so hilarious. And like my, like, That's I think my, the I've ever heard. Oh my I God. know. And in my head, I was just like, you dick like, like I will kill you <laughs> oh my gosh like, I was like I can't but the audacity I swear I know but thankfully everything has started to re or has regrown except for the first part of my scar so I have a bald spot about an inch thick at the yes. very top of like where my hairline is um and so for a while there, while everything was regrowing, I had extensions put in. And then once we started to see some hair regrowth and it got like long enough where I didn't necessarily need to have the hair extensions anymore, um, I could just cover that bald spot with like just parting my hair on the other side. And so, but it was really funny because when my hair started to like first regrow, like you, like Nikki I mean you understand like it gets like it's one it's a different up. color what is this oh yeah yours is it's color. a different color well like so my yeah. I'm blonde and my like I guess my natural I'm naturally blonde but like my hair was starting to regrow and it was like a little darker and then it also when it got to a certain length it would just start to flip up so it would flip up around my extensions yeah and it's the Jimmy Neutron I'm telling you (laughs) but man thankfully I am past that and when I have to go and get chemo and radiation it'll it won't be lose my all my hair it'll be where direct points of where the radiation is going in so I mean I'll have like a polka dot head with like my hair but it'll be a look that's a that's a vibe definitely a look yeah that's wild Yeah. Um, So, I mean, when we talk about other side effects too, I guess, is there anything else on hair that was huge for you? Not really. It was just like, I feel like, so I wore beanies for about three months and like anytime I didn't have, the reason I I didn't immediately go and get hair extension was extensions where I was waiting on that three month post-op appointment and that was like kind of the deciding factor of like if I would have to start treatment now or we could or if I could be put on weight and so I wanted to get past that appointment and then went into like the whole hair extension thing but it was such a talk about like with the moon face and the acne and like all like the different self-confidence 
demoralizers. Yeah. It was it like talk about like if I didn't have a beanie on and I walked past a mirror, like my eyes immediately went to like the bald spots and the scar and like all of that. But thankfully I didn't really think about it too much if I had like a beanie on or anything, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, talk about and it, it's kind of like along the same lines of like nobody really tells you about like but yeah. they tell you all like during like the actual when you're either sitting in the chair for chemo or sitting in like the hospital bed or whatever like the entire chemo process or like the surgery process they don't talk about the after effects yeah and it's it is i mean like you said i think especially as a young person who and something that i would always talk about is like and i still talk about a lot is I imagine I haven't been, you know, 60 going through the same experience, but I imagine if you're, you know, you're 50 or 60 or you're whatever age and you have like a husband or a wife who you've been with forever. And like, it's easier to be vulnerable in front of those people because they've seen you at other terrible states, right? I imagine if you're with like Mm -hmm. your husband who you've given birth in front of, then all of a sudden you're bald and you're like, all right, you know what? You've seen worse. It's fine. Whereas like, for me, I think, and being so young and obviously like, these bodies are the way that we interact with the world. And so as much as we want to say like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. We don't care what people think. It's like, it looks different to you. It's not even what anyone else thinks. It's just Mm -hmm. like, you feel very vulnerable. And like, I mean, I was the same way in the hospital. I always had a beanie on and I did more beanies. I kind of got into like some bandanas, some scarves. I would just wear a hood. Like I had a few different variations on a theme, but I would basically wear a beanie all the time. And I just remember like, the most vulnerable that I ever felt was when nurses would come in at night because I would sleep without a beanie or whatever on, I'd sleep bald. Or like my roommates, or and I'd have to walk through their space to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and I wouldn't put a hat on. Mm-hmm. And those were kind of, or like my mom would see me getting in and out of the shower, right? She would help me with like my IV pole and things logistically through the room. And it was just like, that's the most vulnerable I've ever felt is like being totally bald and having to just stand there in front of someone. And I imagine too, right? You have this scar and you have a big bald spot and like just having mm-hmm. to look at yourself with that and also look at someone else and be like, all right, please don't see me any differently. Like, please yeah. see me pretty. Like it's, it's freaking hard. I mean, I put yeah. on makeup every day that I was in the hospital because it was the only way that I could, and I didn't put on a full face, but I would put on like, you know, blush and mascara every single day. Cause I was like, this is the only way that I can look in the mirror throughout the day and not burst into tears every single time. This is the only yeah. way that I can I wish that weren't the case. Of course, all we want to do is like preach positivity. And if you're here to like be bald and not worry about it, then hundred percent. I love you for that. And I'm so proud of you. But like, that was not me. I had a really hard time. Exactly. And, um, it's, it's weird. It's really tough. Cause you're just trying mm-hmm. to figure out this new version of yourself. And I'm still doing this with my crazy hair right now. I mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to the point where it was always, it was a constant reminder to me of what yeah. I was going through. It was like, even though at a certain point, my body is like was fine and even honestly to this day if my hair blows if the wind blows in the or if my hair blows in the wind I have a freaking bald spot like on the top of my head that is very noticeable and for the longest time I couldn't put my hair all the way back like I had to do like a low pony or a low bun just to hide it yeah yeah and it's even to the point now like if I get in a pool I have to like, I'm immediately when I come up from to like the surface, I'm immediately starting to part my hair so that the bald spot doesn't show. And there'll been like a couple of times and granted, I'm lucky to have found a partner now that 
doesn't care about any of that. And it's like to the point where like in the summer when I'd get in the pool, I'd like look at him and I'd be like, Oliver, is my bald, like, is my bald spot showing? And he's like, he was like, one, no. And he was like, two, everybody you're around knows it. Like, why, well, like, he was like, why do you feel so, like, self-conscious about it? And I was like, I don't know. It's just, it's a very personal thing to me. And it's always that, like, kind of constant reminder. It's like, as long as I feel healthy, and I mean, I feel fine, I can do Mm -hmm. almost everything now that I could prior, but it was just like, it's that one thing that it's just the huge, like self-confidence, like killer. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard, especially, like I said, for young people, like we have part of our identity wrapped up in our hair. And again, like some people shave their heads and it's not a problem and they find a new identity. And like some days that was true. I had the buzz cut and I thought it was cool, but like, I absolutely still have that feeling where I'm like, I have been identifiable by my ridiculous top knot since I was 12 years old, like I have worn that hairdo my whole life. Everyone who knows me has seen me with my ridiculous top knot. So yeah, it's a very weird thing to just figure out your new normal and be like, all right, this is what I look like now. This is what I look like when everything's kind of taken away that I identified myself with before. And you know, it's a daily thing. It really is for me with my ridiculous new, like, I don't know, we're like edging on Julie Andrews at this point if we're being generous but <laughs> like, I have to remember that and be like all right this is it now this is what I look like you know get used to it and yeah it's just it's weird it's tough and we'll probably get into it even more but it's it's hard when you feel mostly normal and again as we're talking today there's a lot of stuff that happens in your body and you don't feel normal but I would say on the whole there was more just physical stuff that I had to like see more than what I felt that physically changed, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I found like didn't really help a whole lot was when, whether it was my family or my friends or anybody really came up and was like, oh, like you look so great. Like, oh, like nobody would notice like you had surgery or like nobody would notice the hair extensions or whatever. As much as well-intentioned those sentiments are it's always like I couldn't internalize those and it was always okay like as long like in my head I couldn't be like if I don't look like how I used to before surgery how am I ever gonna feel comfortable in my skin or and in that way I was probably more change averse I would say but as the years have kind of ticked by now and maybe it has to do with like my whole like hair regrowing and I feel a little bit more confident now but it's it's to the point where it's it it didn't necessarily help me to hear those sentiments and I don't know if you have felt similarly or or what on that yeah it's hard and it's it's something where I've kind of felt both sides like there are definitely I do feel grateful because so many of my friends and family are like oh my god the buzz cut was fabulous. I showed everyone and I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. I agree. It was a, it was a solid look like, and that like, doesn't bother me because it was. Yeah. It was I think so I said that. Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> what I'm saying is like, that helped, right? It was like, uh-huh. I always am, I always enjoy when someone's like, it looks great. I'm like, thank you. Because for me, it's always where, like, if you meet me where I'm at right now and tell me that like, this looks great, I'm going to be so happy about that. And I want that. Whereas when people are like, oh, my grandma made the comment. She's like, I think I like it better than your long hair. And I was like, grandma, 
that's rude. I want my long hair back. Like, don't, you know, it's like the comparison thing. And I think that maybe that goes back to people saying to you, like, oh, you can't even tell there's a scar. And you're like, okay, but there is, and I'm never going to get rid of it. So like, why are we comparing Mm -hmm. the two at this point? And for me, Mm -hmm. I think that's where it bothers me is when you're comparing it against what I used to look like, then I get bothered because then I'm reminded of it. Whereas when you just say like, yeah, it looks great today. I'm like, hell yeah, thank you. I'll take that. You know, I'm like, I I love to hear that. I don't want to make it sound like we don't want people to tell us things look good because of course you want compliments from people. But Mm -hmm. it's when you compare it, I think that it makes it tough because then you're sitting with that. You know, you're thinking like, all right, this is my no normal. There's no turning back. That's it. And then you have to contrast yourself against yourself. And who wants to do that, right? Like at least in that situation, it's not a fun thing to like look back at my old dance team photos and be like, God damn it. I looked so good. And now I look like this. And part of it has to do with none of us have left the house in eight months and it's my hair and it's, you know, I don't have a tan because I didn't get a spray tan this year. You know, like, I mean, there's tons of factors, but I think that it's, for me, it comes back to like, if you meet me where I am, I'm so thrilled to hear that. If you compare it to something else, I'm going to have a harder time accepting it, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a pretty decent way of saying that. Yeah. Um, we talked earlier today on not getting pigeonholed on like one conversation. Topic oh yeah, and here, there, we yeah. Right. <laughs> and here we are. Okay. But, um, so when we talk about, I guess, uh, other side effects, I think for both of us, for me, there's kind of another short list of chemo side effects. And for you, there's kind of the other major post-op side effect. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about kind of what that aphasia experience was like? And we might get more into it a different time, but I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened um, and what was it like for you? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if we were necessarily like well prepared or if we just didn't listen or whatever, but we didn't realize that in our minds, it was like, I was going to walk in, same person, walk out of the hospital, the same person minus like a tumor in my brain. But I experienced some aphasia, which is the best way I can describe it is like more mutism and like, so not necessarily knowing how to speak, not necessarily knowing how to socialize. Um, It was just because my brain was so swollen from the surgery, all of this. So people ask what it was like going through not being able to communicate and everything and the best way I can describe it is they asked if it was super frustrating and I was like in my mind I didn't have a single thought running through my head like it wasn't that I was like sometimes I go through to-do lists or sometimes I'm thinking about what I want to say next that kind of thing it was just totally blank and so it wasn't the experience of like oh you're trapped in your head and you can't get it out it's more just like your brain is functioning at a different rate. Yeah, it was kind of it like, was. it was, for lack of a better term, I was functioning slower. Yeah. Um, and like I said before, like I could only say yes or no statements and I'd sometimes get those confused. I was easily persuaded. Um, if somebody asked me if I wanted something, I was going to say yes, even if I didn't want it story about that was my sister asked if I wanted a diet Sprite every day in the hospital. I said, yes, I hate diet Sprite. It is the absolute worst. And here we are. I drank a lot of diet Sprite in the hospital. So I, I take that personally. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I don't <laughs> oh like gosh. it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But I went on to do speech therapy for the three months that I was recovering. And I think one of like the more frustrating things was like, like I can remember my exact first speech therapy appointment in Austin 
and it was they gave you this picture and you had to describe what was going on in the picture and it was like this little boy reaching for cookies but while his mom was doing the dishes like looking it's just like this very quintessential kitchen like scene and I remember going in I was like boy she was asking me to describe the picture I go boy mom trees cabinet like I don't even know if I could say cabinet but like one of the more frustrating things was like as we progressed and like I could like my thoughts were starting to come back they were just coming back at a higher velocity than I could communicate and so I think even to this day I still kind of weigh in my head if I want to put forth the effort of speaking and like telling the story because I can't find like the exact words or whatever but your brain's like moving so quick mm -hmm. where your mouth is connecting Mm -hmm. and one of the more frustrating things too was I remember like at Thanksgiving we like there was like a bunch of noise going around and around in the background and I was talking with somebody and I couldn't think of anything because I was just so lost in like the background noise and my mind went blank again and it was just so hard to hold like a conversation with it but as like the time as my brain started to heal and like the swelling decreased and along with the speech therapy and talk like I mean my friends were great about it I went and got lunch with my friend and like different friends and um I mean they were great about it but uh one of the real quickly one of the stories that it's like how like one of the telling things of like to get discharged like my doctor came in and was like okay name three things that start with this letter c and i was like okay cat chrysanthemum canker sore <laughs> and he looked at my mom and he was like i have never heard those three like that combination of three he was like i've never heard chrysanthemum or canker sore <laughs> in my life or when i say like name three things that start with the letter c and so you knew like things were processing in there Something was going and on everything. There. It was just, yeah. Oh my gosh. But, but then there was also like beforehand, um, like I would go through all this like cognitive testing, like, okay, like did it beforehand, then did it right after. And um, one of the exercises was in a minute, name as many things that start with the letter D or C or S or whatever. But no, I mean, other than that, it was, it wasn't like I was trapped inside my head, like you said. It wasn't that I was frustrated at the very beginning. I mean, I got to the point of frustration when I couldn't necessarily socialize because I was always in the back of my head being like, I know how I was before this and I don't want this to be the new me. Like I liked how I was. So it was always that one goal that was like, okay, I need to get back to where mm. I was prior to surgery at least in terms of my socialization skills and like I was like maybe this is a good thing that I have like a filter on my brain now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though some people are like you do not have a filter I'm like, oh no, you should have heard me beforehand <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that's that's a crazy one yeah it's so interesting to me how like I mean our experiences were different because you had I mean you had physical obviously too but like that mental side effect of the during mm-hmm it's crazy. It's just, it, it's crazy to me to think that you, you know, you live your whole life with the one 
brain and then for a month or three well three to four months it just mm-hmm. operates a little bit differently it's so interesting I mean clearly I don't have a degree in neuroscience which is why I find this so fascinating because I don't really understand it but yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy yeah yeah, yeah. And like when I went back to work, so I took three and a half months off, but when I went back to work, I was only working half days to, mm-hmm. cause I would work for two, three hours. And then I would get such a pounding headache that I would need to go home sleep. And it was essentially like, I was retraining my brain on how to get back into the different like routine yeah. activities. Granted that was going to work and actually like problem solving and analytical skills and all of that but whatever we'll get into that later but do you want to take us through some of your side effects yeah so I mean I guess I'll kind of I'll kind of close it out here and I talked a little bit about this last week but for me chemo was I think less physical than for a lot of people that I've heard about and my tendency is to you know, not feel sorry for myself. So there was probably more difficult stuff physically than I always mention, I guess. But I mean, for me, what that experience was like, and it's funny because my meds were really specific to the day. So Monday I would go in, I had a a drug called Rituxan that they had to give me. It was like a pre-med. And then I got Benadryl straight to the veins. And the reason they gave me Benadryl was because one of the other ones that they gave me that day Benadryl helped with, I don't know, avoiding reactions. I really, I I don't remember the details. I do want to give a shout out to Benadryl straight to the veins because it is the most potent nap you've ever had. (laughs) Like I literally would watch them like syringe it into my port and like within 30 seconds, I'd have the worst spins as if I was drunk off my ass. I like couldn't even walk to the bathroom because I felt drunk. And then I would pass out and have like an incredible three hour nap. So Shout out to Benadryl. You guys would always get the Snapchats. I'd Snapchat you like, oh, that Monday afternoon when the Benadryl hit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So that was kind of, I would get that. And then I would get Zofran, which is like an anti-nausea med. And I would get Zofran before every bag of chemo. So I got a new bag of chemo every 24 hours. And I would get Zofran right before. And that prevented basically all of the nausea. So for me, I didn't experience hardly any nausea. The only times that I threw up was when I was taking my prednisone, which is my steroid, and I, it tasted so bad that I threw it up a couple times because it just like tasted disgusting going down. I never had like chemo-induced nausea, um, at least not severely. I would have kind of weird reactions to smells. So certain food would come in the room. My mom would always order these chicken sandwiches. She liked the chicken sandwiches that the hospital served. And so she'd order them for lunch. And there were a few times where I was just like, you need to get that out of this room right now, or I will throw up because I just had weird reactions to certain food. I didn't have nausea on its own, but just mm-hmm. like, couldn't smell certain things. I would kind of freak out. I imagine it's kind of like when you're pregnant. And you're yeah, just, I was about to be like, when you're pregnant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was kind of similar in that way. Um, and like I said, I, they did a good job of kind of controlling my nausea with some meds. So I didn't experience that severely. Um, I did experience neuropathy, which I talked a little bit about. It's, it's a, a nerve, your nerve endings and your fingers and toes kind of go numb. Uh, and it was never debilitating. It never stopped me from being able to do anything, but it's just like the tips of your fingers would just feel kind of like prickly and numb for like days on end. And that was kind of it for that. And then I experienced these mouth sores that were actually really, really intense. And like, if you imagine, if you had like strep throat times two, just like your whole throat hurts, and then you have canker sores all around like 
the base of like your tongue, the base of your teeth, kind of all over like your gums almost to the point where like if you move your tongue, it it's, a, it's really, really painful and swallowing is really painful. And I got those for like a full week after each of my rounds, like rounds four, five, six. And it got to the point where I like, it was horrible. That was the worst of it where like, I would just lay on my parents' couch for five days. Like there was a, after my sixth round, I didn't eat solid food for like six days. Cause I just, it wasn't that my stomach hurt. It was that I couldn't physically move my tongue enough to like chew or mm -hmm. swallow. Yeah, I was, I was like barely getting that, down. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask if that affected your eating. Yeah. I was like drinking those insure shakes. Like I was barely eating those down. My mom would shove them down my throat, like two a day. And even that I would like put up a fight and I would just lay there and cry because I didn't want to eat anything. Cause it hurt so bad. Aww. It was a lot. And they ended up giving me like pain meds basically for it. That helped a little bit, but didn't do much. And people sent me like certain mouthwashes that you were supposed to use. And there were kind of a lot of things offered to help and nothing did much. I kind of just laid there and cried for five days and it was fine. Mm -hmm. um, did they usually kind of, go away after five days? Yeah. Yeah. And that was what was crazy. And I, I asked that question when I first was going into chemo and this kind of goes back to what I said about the hair where I asked like, okay, will I be really sick in the hospital? And they said, no, when you're physically getting pumped with the meds, it doesn't really hit you then it usually hits you. Like, so I would leave the hospital on Friday and I had to get a shot called Nulasta that like stimulated your um, white blood cell regrowth. So it stimulates your bone marrow. So you have bone pain because your bones are like working to create bone marrow to create white blood cells. So I would get that shot on Saturday. And then by Monday, I'd have a little bit of bone pain. And by like Wednesday is when the mouth sores would hit, the neuropathy would hit. And I was like down for the count. The first three rounds, not so much. The first three rounds, I would be kind of sore for two days and I was fine. The last three rounds was like Wednesday through the following Sunday. I was pretty much down for the count, which again, this happened all in the dead of winter. So like I didn't miss much. I was just kind of at my parents. I was off work. I was like watching movies and doing whatever I could. But that was the toughest thing was just being in so much pain that you couldn't eat or like couldn't talk. I mean, I was not talking at all. Like I was just kind of whispering at my parents because moving my tongue, which you need to do to talk, uh, was so painful that I just didn't do it. So that was just a really scary one. And I do like, I know my parents had a hard time because they're sitting there just staring at me being like, okay, how can we help? And I was just like, don't look at me. Let me watch Disney movies. <laughs> Leave me alone for five days, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but that was kind of the worst of the chemo side effects for me. And you know, when you talk about being exhausted and the nausea, those were kind of the major two that I was told I would experience. And I really didn't. I was tired. And when I had these mouth sores, I was just discouraged from doing anything else, but I still was able to work out. I had a normal sleep schedule. I wasn't like taking super long naps. I was probably sleeping like 10, 11 hours a night, which is more than when I'm working, I sleep, you know, six or seven or eight, but it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like debilitating exhaustion or um, fatigue. So my body handled it pretty well from that regard. And again, that's just my experience. There's so many different ones. Um, and what's crazy is that your doctors kind of tell you what to expect and some of it happened and some of it didn't. And I think that that's probably the case with everybody, depending on the way that your body is and how it reacts to stuff. But uh, it's never fun. You know, losing my hair, I think was the worst part because it was just rude. I had such nice hair. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of the the meat of the during mm -hmm. body experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we've we've covered a, a slew of topics, and I know we'll get into maybe some more gritty details, or we'll revisit this subject in later episodes. But no, I think this was a pretty decent conversation, and yeah, no, I mean, I just hope that this is interesting or just resonates with anybody listening and just to give you a little inside look into what it's like for at least what it was like for us going through these different treatment programs it was it there's just so much going on that you don't see from like the outer level there's just so much like internally going on and even if it was more of like some of our things were more outward showing it was so like you wouldn't like if you looked at Nikki like you wouldn't know that there were mouth sores or like right anything going on in terms of that and like if you looked at me like you wouldn't know that well granted I probably had like a blank like stare but you wouldn't know <laughs> that nothing was going through my brain or yeah whatever but no yeah, I this mean, comes back to that that classic phrase that we'll probably we'll roast like people later for it but mm-hmm. when people say well you don't look sick and it's like, well, yeah, because there's a lot of shit going on inside this body and on the outside of it, you know, that sometimes you do look sick and sometimes you don't at all and mm-hmm. you feel like shit. And then sometimes it's the opposite for me. It's like sometimes I was in the hospital and I probably looked like shit, but I felt great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's true with anything. So I hope that people can remember that. And, yeah, you know, I meet people where they are and I think it can never hurt to just ask people how they're doing, how they're feeling instead of making assumptions, you know, like, Oh, well, you're getting chemo and you don't look sick. You must be doing well. And, you know, there was five days at a time where I couldn't even Mm -hmm. respond to that question verbally because I wasn't doing well, you know? So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's just important for us to remember to to be nice in that way. And also don't take it to heart if somebody (sighs) doesn't get back to you um, or, if somebody just doesn't want to really talk about what they're going through at that point, you just have to be respectful of that because at a certain point, if you, if you ask and you respect them not wanting to talk about it in the future, they may come back and be like, Hey, like, I appreciate you asking about it. Like, here's what was all going through my head or like it through my, like with my body at that time that like made mm-hmm. it not necessarily easy to talk about. Yeah, definitely. So it just kind of opens the door to like more future conversations about that. So yeah to keep in mind oh so well wrapped up (laughs) well thank you so much for listening to that six letter word and uh we're glad you uh stuck around if you're still here at this point you may have turned it off by now and uh if you are here get out there spread joy be kind get weird fuck shit up (laughs) that's it (laughs) that's it i hope you uh tune in to next week's episode and we greatly appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon bye bye this podcast is recorded and edited using GarageBand by nikki steltenkamp and emily sweet our song is wild card from garage band and our cover art is by jazz parker we'll talk to you next time